Rico. How are you? Great. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, how are you? Great. Good. So, so much better. We're in First Peter. We're looking at chapter 4. My name's Jose, if we've yet to meet. And uh, I love the songs that we were singing. Some of them might be new, but I don't know if you caught the theme of them. They all seemed around the realness of Jesus and us stepping into the realness of Jesus. Did you catch that? And uh, I think that's so cool. So with that, what we do is whenever we invite um, God to be God, we should expect him to be God. Would you agree? And so I want to throw out two things that came to me while we were singing. And it might be for you. It might be for someone else. That's totally cool. But the greatest thing that we could do is when we ask God to make us a vessel is to actually be useful. So two things that are totally different. And I, I'm cautious with the second one, but I just want to share it anyway. First thing, I really was impressed that someone um, got news this week about a liver disorder or issue. If that's you, totally cool, not, not the disorder part, but that God is so loving that he lets his family know about what he already knows because so, he wants to bring wholeness and healing. So if that's you, if you were given news, I particularly thought Tuesday, but that just could be me. Maybe that's not the Lord, I don't know. So um, if that's you, here's what I want to invite you to do. We have a prayer team that's here at the end of each gathering, and we just want to pray God's love and God's goodness and God's healing over your life. Listen, you're like, well, I hurt my knee on Wednesday. Does God care about that? Yes. So if, if, if that's not you, but there's something going on in your life, uh, often what the Lord does is he gives us a hint of what he wants to do, and then he just does what he does. So I just invite you, if you come in, church is messy because life is messy and we are messy. Can we agree on that? We do not have our lives together. I've been a Christian long enough to know I need Jesus every day twice or 10 times or 100 times. So if, if there's some brokenness in your, in your body, uh, come for prayer. The second one is a little more intense. I really believe that there is someone who's early in the contemplation of saying, I don't know if life's worth living. That's a... That's like big. So, um, I don't plan to cry, by the way. It just, it happens. Um, but if that's you, that's like, you're not alone, and others are hurting too. And uh, what we want is the realness of Jesus to be real for you. So, uh, it doesn't mean you're less than because life seems unbearable. It just means God's grace can be bigger. Yeah. Hello, online family. Welcome. <laughs> uh, so why don't we do this as pray? Because it just, these are things that I think the Spirit brings to bear because they're already there. The worst thing that can happen is you come to church and leave the same, Right? Let's pray. I invite you to um, open your hands as just a physical way of saying, God, I, I, uh, I need you. Lord, uh, we come 
all the stuff, like the stuff that we don't understand, the stuff that hurts, the stuff that's confusing, the stuff we're not proud of. We come with all the stuff. And we simply say to you, Lord Jesus, uh, create something new in us that's from you. And life feels like it's crushing at times, but we believe you can make new wine. You can do something new. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to heal because you're the God of wholeness and you're the God who creates all things well. But we're not well completely, so we invite you to bring healing where that's needed and for our brothers or our sisters that we don't know who are really wrestling with the value of life because it has just been unbearably hard. We don't understand that, Lord, but we know that you understand sorrow and you even walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And Lord, you, you know what it's like to breathe the last breath, but you're the God of life and resurrection, and you want us to live, Lord. So we invite you to bring healing and wholeness to our mind and our body and our spirit, God, so that we can worship you because you're worthy of praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The terrible thing about our cameras is they're so sharp that I bet you can see my tear right now out of this eye, which is quite embarrassing, to be honest. We have too good of a lens. Um, you think I'm kidding, but I, I know this is, this is uh, poofy-eyed Jose. Well, welcome to church, folks. We don't plan this stuff. We just love Jesus, and we invite him to do his thing. So uh, let's look at the Bible, okay? First uh, Peter chapter uh, 4, we're going to start in verse uh, 1. I want to start with a question. It's, it's, uh, it's asked a lot in church circles, but I want to ask it anyway. What if, you, what if you knew that you had about two weeks left? What would you do? Uh, what if you had two weeks, and you knew it, you had two weeks left to live, what would, you, what would you spend your time doing? What would you engage in because you'd wanted to do it, but you only have a few days left? What would you avoid because you... You only have two weeks, so what would you stay away from? I think we shouldn't be obsessed with questions like that, but the questions like that are healthy at times to help us see what's really valuable, what really matters. Now, let's, let's spin the question to a more positive one, right, because that seems negative. What if you knew that what you did over the next two weeks could change the course of your history? What if you knew that Whatever you engaged in or avoided over the next two weeks would set the tone for your life and the people around you and even be so bold as to the world that you, you know. What if it really could change in two weeks because of the action steps that you take? Now, we ask questions like that because it's helpful. How we live right now when it comes to our life with Jesus really matters. And the beautiful wake-up call of coming to a gathering with God's people week after week is because we're reminded that our choices have consequences, and what God wants to do today impacts tomorrow. That's good news. And some of you, what you need 
most is for Jesus to so infuse you with his presence that it begins to impact how you live tomorrow and the next day and the next day. We were invited over the last two weeks. We had Steve, uh, oh, we had Stephen and then Steve, two preachers in a row, one with a PH, one with a V, right? Uh, Steve's uh, shared with us a couple of things that I want to remind you of because today we're going to pick up in chapter 4, verse 1, where the word says, therefore, in light of everything that you heard from Stephen and Steve over the last two weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, Stephen said, there are some things that are easy to say and hard to do. Let me just remind you, it's, it's, if you have your Bible, 1 Peter 3, verse 8, all of you be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Easy to say, hard to do. And, and that's the invitation. Again, what have you had the next two weeks? Would, would you stay united with people? Would you be sympathetic? Would you love one another? Would you be compassionate? Would you be humble? We're invited because we don't know whether we get two weeks or two decades. We have no idea the future. I was just talking to Lynn, a friend who uh, is a part of a great church, Meadow Springs, down by Lake Oswego. In Southeast Portland, hey, can I have a tissue? Because I got a lot of like mucus. <laughs> can I be honest about that? Uh, I am anyway. If someone can help me with, why do I, why do I not come up with tissues ill prepared? Um, some of you are like, this is a little too raw. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, welcome to church. And so, is there, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're never getting this back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's not tissue. That's like permanent. Uh, Thank you very much. A, a, for Margaret, a box. She has faith <laughs> to know the meltdown will be real. Uh, so, so we were reminded that there are some things that are easy to say and hard to do. This is the Jesus-following life. We, we step into living like Jesus as we thought the end was near. We're not obsessed with the end of life and how much time God's given us, but we live in light of it. Did you catch that? We live in light of the frailty of life and the shortness of life. We want to live like Jesus. And then we saw last week from Steve Marshman that there's some things that are confusing and cloudy. There's some other things that are clear. By the way, I, I missed my story because I needed a handkerchief. But uh, speaking of the frailty, Lynn is uh, one of the pastors at a church, Meadow Springs, and she was doing a wedding yet yesterday, last night, just down the street from here, and got info that their church was having an electrical fire, and their church isn't gathering right now because they were able to stop the fire, but there's smoke damage and all of that. That happened yesterday. They were getting ready to worship now, and, and, and Lynn's just so godly, said, I want to worship with some Jesus people, so she came to hang out here. Isn't that cool? That's, that's amazing. But the frailty of life. So, so we want to make the most of today. And last week we got from Steve Marshman that there are things that are cloudy, we don't understand, but there are things that are crystal clear. What's crystal clear? Jesus suffered to bring us to God. That's good news. He suffered in ways we don't have to to bring us to God. And Jesus has gone into heaven and is now gloriously leading the universe. I don't have to worry about the future of human events. Why? I know who's the king. I know who the leader is. Now, I am troubled by Ukraine right now. And I am troubled by so many of the things we're suffering. But when I remember Jesus suffered to bring me to God, I am now seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenlies. You are too. 
if these things are true, right, it should impact today. I want to talk about today. What does it look like for us to take our next steps in following Jesus? And I'm going to ask you today to take your next step. What is your next step? I don't know what it is. If, if it's someone with a liver uh, disorder or something, I know what your next step is. Receive prayer. God is the God of wonders. We should trust him. If you're struggling in your mind about, I don't know if I should be here anymore. I know what your next step is. Talk with someone who's safe about it and receive from God what God wants to give you. But for the rest of us who say, well, that's not me, uh, this is going to hit all of us. Let's just read it. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. I'm going to read verses 1 all the way through 11. We'll go back and look at two things. Verse 2, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised you don't join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they'll have to give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. For, uh, for this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard in regard to the Spirit. I know this is a lot. Let's just read the whole thing. The end of all things is near. Underline that. The end of everything is near. The end of the world is near. The end of our world is near. The end of our life. It it may be 70, 80, 90, 100 years, but boy, you are nearer today to the end than you were yesterday. How's that for a chipper pep talk? It's just the truth. Therefore, notice that, in light of the reality that the end is coming, be alert and of sober mind so you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And then he gives an example. If anyone speaks, they should do as the one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And all of 26 West says... Amen. That is so good, so much. And I just want to focus on two ideas that I think summarize all of what we just read. And I'm going to leave it to you to trust the Holy Spirit to guide you on your next step. There's at least two things we're invited to do. Write them down. It will drive the rest of our time. We can say no to sin. That's the first section that we looked at. Verses like one through six there. And then we should say yes to God. That's verses seven through 11. I'm I'm simplifying because sometimes we read a lot and we miss the big idea. The big idea is that we can say no to sin and we can say yes to God. All right, let's just um, 
let's unpack both of them in order. We should and can say no to sin. There's always going to be, and I've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, there's always going to be competing desires. In your life, if you expect that when you follow Jesus, your desires to live the way you used to live will end, then you are misguided at best. We will always have competing desires. As long as we live in the body, we are humans still impacted by sin, the sin of others, the sin in our own life. And we are being made new day by day. We have the Holy Spirit. We are united with Christ. We are a new creation. Our future is secure in Jesus. We will be with him forever and ever. Amen. That's good news, man. I'm not just a Christian. I am seated, united, connected to Christ. And if he rules the universe and he's included me with him in this life, I can say no to some stuff. Because it doesn't make sense. Notice verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, since Jesus is the one who, who pays for our sin in full, what are we to do? Arm yourselves also with the same attitude. I'm going to have competing desires. There are parts of me that wants to do me and wants to just indulge in whatever I feel is right in the moment. But... Because Jesus lives in me, there is the right desire. And I said it before, and I really mean it. If you follow Jesus, your deepest desires, your strongest desire, your most potent desire is godly desire. Because God is working in your life. And they say, well, Jose, well, that's not my reality. My reality is I just want to live like me. And then I got a still, small voice saying, don't, don't. Well, you're confusing your emotions. That small voice is a powerful voice. And God is trying to work out his goodness in us, and he's inviting us. Jesus paid for our sin. He suffered in body. So now we should have the attitude of Jesus Christ, who, who was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So here's my word to you and to me. We should resist temptation, not toy with it. What does it mean to say no to sin? It means I will be tempted. When? Yes. How often? Yes. How deep? Yes. And the more I follow Jesus, the more tempted I am. How's that for another chipper? Man, you I, why are you coming here? Because the truth sets us free. When I realize that temptation is common to everyone, Jesus lover and non-Jesus lover, but yet I have a difference. There's a difference in my life, a difference in your life. I have a united with Christ life. And I, because God's powers at work, can, doesn't mean I always will, I can say no. Jesus was tempted in every way just like us. Hebrews 4 says this. I'll put it on the screen. Write down the reference. Meditate on it later. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest, speaking of Jesus, who ascended into heaven, right? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We're all tempted. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. There's a difference between temptation and actual sin. 
I am tempted, you are tempted. We are tested. We're given options and something that's ungodly looks appealing. That doesn't mean I sinned because I thought about going in that direction. Jesus was tempted, tested in every way, just like us. So verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, I don't have time to get into all of it, but those of you who know your Old Testament well, what's the picture that he brings out here? It's the, the, the uh, great high priest. The high priest was the person who was going to stand once a year on behalf of all of God's people to go into the most holy place in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount with these sacrifices to pay for all of our sin. And there's a collective sense of sin and shame that we all feel because we're all similar in that the details of our sinfulness are different, but the commonality is it's all rebellion, right? Which is worse, lust or greed? Well, you're missing the point. They're both away from the heart of God, right? So, so our sins are particularly are different, but we all need God's grace and mercy so the, so the high priest, once for all, after doing all of these cleansings, once a year went into the most holy place so that we could have a representative stand on our behalf and say, we, all of the people, we are guilty and we repent and we turn to you, God. God of mercy, give us mercy. We need help. We don't want to keep coming back, but we keep stumbling and falling. God of mercy, forgive us. Give us a new strength to follow you. And the, the high priest was the one who went in on our behalf. By the way, all of that was picturing towards Jesus. And, and the writer of Hebrews makes the connection. This is Jesus. This is Jesus on the cross who's not just bringing a sacrifice of an animal. No, he is the sacrifice. And he was tempted in every way just like us. Jesus is where God and mankind meet. Look at that. He's fully human, really human, really tested, really tempted. God, you don't know what I'm going through. And Jesus says from the heavens, I do. Oh, I am struggling. And he says to us, I know. Not conceptually. I was there. And I know, yet, the distinction is Jesus is tempted, tested, yet he never dishonors the Father, and he does what is right. Now, what's the point of saying Jesus is the great high priest? What's the point of saying that Jesus is, is able? It's verse 16. The point is that we can come to him. Let us then approach the God's throne of grace with confidence so we can receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We can say no to sin. We really can. And the secret is no secret. It is not in our own strength that we resist sin. It is coming closer to the throne of grace to find mercy. We say, oh, I'm struggling with, with, with temptation, with trial, with, with all sorts of things. And I would say to you, like I would say to myself, we all are, and some more intense than others, the secret to saying no to sin is not being strong enough to say, man, I can resist. Ooh, watch out. The person who's like, well, I can handle something. No, you, no, 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 we cannot. It's 
that the throne, God's presence, is filled with mercy and grace. And it's closeness to Jesus that provides inner strength. It's the mercy of Jesus. It's the grace of Jesus. It's the empowering presence of Jesus. There's never a time where Jesus is saying, well done, you've got this. No, he's saying, stay close to me. And if we stay close to him, I, I could tell you right now, it doesn't mean we will not sin, but it does mean that we can say no to it. There are times that we are going to stumble and fall, but you know what? We don't run from Jesus. That's the time to run to Jesus. And if that's you and you say, Jose, the last couple of years have been horrific. And I thought at the beginning of it, this, I was going to end up being able to do this. And now I'm looking back and I got some regrets and I've got some challenges and I've got some issues that I realize have amplified during the season. I would say, yep, we all do. And this is why we need one another and the presence of God because we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. All right, um, so, so back to the text, verse three. Well, so Peter reminds the church, you could say no to sin. What does it look like in their past? Verse three, you spent time, enough time in the past doing what pagans do, uh, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry, and the people in your town, they're surprised you don't join them now in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. What does it mean for us to live a lifestyle that's saying no to sin? It's that there are all sorts of options, and we say no to some to make room to say yes to God. Uh, what did it look like for them? What is he re referencing? Christians, the, these Jesus followers, they were known as killjoys because the civic holidays and the religi religious ho holidays in their time were all um, opportunities to engage in all sorts of self-indulgence. It's kind of like, and this is not a disrespectful thing, I don't know how many people actually celebrate uh, St. Patrick's Day as a, as a day to remember the work of God in someone's life. I think just people use it as an opportunity to party, right? It's like, because I got, you know, I got one in each hand, St. Patty's Day. And, and that, you know, we've turned holidays into shopping sprees and opportunities to party. And depending on the nature of your life, the intensity of your partying may be way outside of what either, even non-Jesus following people would say is normalized. So in their day, religious holidays by nature, you engaged in all sorts of self-indulgence. It was just, it's just what everybody did. And so the Jesus people, because of their wanting to honor their Savior, they shrunk back from engaging in those practices. They, uh, they didn't go to the performances at the theater because they were very graphic and risque. And they said, you know what? We don't, we don't want to say yes to that. They didn't go to, go to the Gladiator matches, sorry, MMA fans. Like they, they didn't go to the gladiator matches and, and, and go to the big fights and watch people brutalize themselves because they thought that is, this is not the heart of God. Um, they, they were able to celebrate the holiday, but without all the stuff. But yet the people around them thought, what's wrong with these people? Why won't they? And so they would make fun of them. And I think that we're probably moving closer to these days than generations past in America. I think 50, 70, 100 years ago, there was a sense of, of, of Christian thinking where 
not engaging in some practices, whether you love and follow Jesus or not, was normalized. But now it's you do you. Now it's obey your thirst. Now it's whatever. Look, look, hands off. Your life, my life, just love, man. Just, just love. And love means there is no right or wrong. Love means express anything, anyway. Uh, just don't be harmful to someone else, which is a catch-22 when you say don't harm someone else. Or inflict harm on yourself, not even realizing it. Another talk for another day. Jesus teaches a better way, is what I'm saying. And I want to say to all of you, but especially to my younger friends, you know, I'm about to hit the big 5-0, so younger means 49 and under. I'm talking to all you, anyone, those young people, that, that we want to stand with you and be a community that welcomes you in the struggle and the cultural bash that you're hitting because everyone is screaming loudly, you are weird if you don't do whatever you want. You're weird if you don't engage in all the joys of living in the Pacific Northwest. What's wrong with you? And I would just say, what's right with you is the life of God. The life of God is living in you. So you are now empowered to say no the things that are unlike Jesus, not because you're a prude and not because you're a killjoy, but because you've experienced eternal life. And when you've had the real thing, the cheap imitations that are temporary, ought to be less attractive. And I would hope for us that we'd be a community that is not finger-pointing, hey, why do you do that? Why do you do that? What? No, no, no. But our hands are just lifted to heaven like, man, I've been rescued and so I'm going, to live, I'm going to live a rescued life. And if anyone wants to join, great. If, and if you don't, I'm going to keep inviting you till you do. Because Jesus is life. All right. Second thing is we should say no to sin. Second thing is we should say yes to God. Right? That's what the text is talking about. And so I want, to, I want us to point out what does it mean to say yes to God? Write this down. We should grow in our life with God and loving one another. That's what it means to say yes to him is that we grow in our life with God and loving one another. Notice verse 7. The end of everything is near in light of what's to come. Be alert and of sober mind so that you can do what? Pray. Why do we want to make space in our life for God? Why do we want to say no to sin? It's because the presence of God changes everything. And because we know Jesus in part, I don't see him, one day I will. And I will be with him. I will see him face to face. And I'll be transformed. You'll be transformed. And we will become like him. Not him. We are not God. We never become God. But like him in that I will live forever in the presence of the one who made me. Until then, I want to clear the clutter so that I can enjoy his presence now. If I want to say no to sin, I'm going to need to make room in my life for God. That means we should grow in our life with him, which, is, which means for us, we're going to have to fight distractions. And this is hard to do. Back in the olden days when there were less options, rotary phones, remember, some of you remember? You know, um, dial-up internet. Right? I'm going back. Google all this stuff. Um, there were less options. There really were. Now, we've been given the joyful horror 
of unlimited options. Joyful in that there's so much good. There's so, there's so much good you can enjoy right now without leaving your house. Horror in that we have to navigate unlimited options. We have to navigate options that are really harmful and obvious, really harmful and less obvious, really harmful and look good, and just really harmful. We have to navigate this. And so what's the solution? I'm going to give you a, a secret that's no secret. Time with God matters. There's no shortcut. So what does it look like to live clear and sober-minded so that you can pray? It means that you're intentionally saying no to good, important things to carve out room for God. So what does that look like? I'm a morning bird, and so it's more, most natural for me to spend time with God alone in the morning because it's just my happy place. And so I'll get up. And with coffee, hallelujah, uh, we'll, we'll just sit in the presence of God and whether it's listen to music, read my Bible, um, pr pray out loud, quietly, silently, review things. What doesn't make a difference. It's just like, God, all the day is yours. This is not my time with Jesus and then peace out, I'll see you in 24. No, it's like this is the beginning of my day, so I just want to walk with you. And, and yesterday was not great, God, in my walking with you. And, but it's a new day and empower me. And then I get a, about my day. And so for me, it could be 30 minutes, could be an hour, could be an hour and a half. I'm not legalistic. I don't set a time. I just want to be with God. And then the family gets up and, and life goes on. And then I check in with God all throughout the day because I love him and I want to be with him. Okay, that's, that's me. And so the challenge with sharing that is like, oh. now I'll give you a disclaimer. If you have little ones at home, if you have 30 seconds in the presence of Jesus, hallelujah, amen, well done. If you have little lives who are counting on you for everything, you, you are amazing. Just keep walking in your 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. There will be a day where you will get 60 and maybe two minutes. But until then, we support you and rejoice. But I think for all of us, what we're just going to have to say is no to things. Not out of legalism, and God doesn't love me until I X this out of my life. No, God deeply loves me and wants to empower me. So here's my only um, caveat. Your time with God regularly just needs to be. <laughs> Is it in the car as you drive? Well, that could be distracting. Maybe not the best prime time, you know as you're scrolling on your phone as well. Um, <laughs> that, that whatever it is, that, that it is, is what matters. We say, well, I'm not hitting seven days a week. Great, are you hitting one? Fantastic, I celebrate the one. Go for two. Uh, maybe not in a row then, you know, fill your week, you know. Oh, but three, yeah, every, whatever. Just have time with God. And here's what time with God will do. And this is where I want us to lean and, and respond and actually take some next steps. Verse 8, above all, right after he says, this time with God, be sober so that you can pray. Why? Above all, love each other 
deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And I want you to catch this beautiful connection. It is time the presence of God when I'm praying that I learn to love my neighbor as myself because my neighbor annoys me. Now, I'm not saying my physical neighbors are quite kind. But I'm saying those around me can be annoying. Those around me can be hurtful. Those around me can be judgmental. But I'm called to respond like Jesus. And when I'm in the presence of Jesus, it results in me seeing people Jesus-like in a Jesus way. And so how am I going to love you if I'm not investing my life in the presence of Jesus? I can't. I don't have God's love without God. And so I need it. But, but the overflow, what does it mean to say yes to God? It means that we grow in our love with him and we grow in our love for other people. Uh, and what does love do? Love covers a multitude of sins. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that love covers over bad behavior and doesn't call people out. I'm not saying that. Love does not ignore people's hurtfulness, no. But love gives me the ability to be Christ-like and say grace and mercy. And I'm not going to treat you maybe like you deserve. I'm going to treat you like God would want to treat you with love and, and his presence. It gives me the ability to actually forgive people. It doesn't mean we ignore the wrong or excuse the wrong, but it gives us the ability to stay united. Churches fall apart when we spend more time reminding each other of what we did that we're ashamed of. But rather, love and a loving community says, yes, I confess that this is what I've done, this is how I've lived, and we, and we say, you know what, I have been there too. And let's let Jesus bring healing to all of us. And I'm not going to keep reminding you of what you used to be. I'm going to celebrate what Jesus is doing in you now. I'm going to see the good in you, even when you don't see the good in you. I'm going to choose to stay with you through it. We're all in process, aren't we? And so love helps me to grow. And time with God, praying, gives me the ability, above all, to love each other. How well? Deeply. Are we loving each other deeply? What does it mean to love each other deeply? Okay, he gives us some very real examples. Just look verse, uh, down at verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. How are we going to love each other more deeply? And these are two words to us as a church. Showing hospitality. Now for them, back in the day, there were no hotels. So physically, the church was spread out across the Roman Empire. And when people would go, what he was literally saying is there will be Jesus people rolling through your town. Take them in. Loving each other deeply means I see what's going on in my world, but I'm open to you, and I invite you physically into my house to offer a meal and a safe place to stay because you're a brother, you're a sister, you belong to Jesus, you belong to me. It's not my house. It's not my car. I don't own anything. Whatever I have is grace and mercy from God. And living the Jesus way, the love way, is saying what God has provided for me, he's provided for us. Now, I'm not saying pack your bags and move into my living room this afternoon when you have a place to stay, right? But love is others-centered. The body matters, and I'm a part of the body. How do we live that out as a church? We regularly live in our community group life because it matters. And so right now we're in between our sessions. If you're newer to our church, 
you know that three times a year we take seven-week blocks and invite people every week for seven weeks to meet and eat a meal and, or dessert or have a coffee and to talk about the message and how we're going to live it out, to pray for one another, to talk about needs, to share with one another. This is a practice that's exactly in line with Jesus' command to love one another deeply. And I'm inviting you, if this is your church family, the next session, spring session, is coming up right after Easter. We're a few weeks away. We'll announce the opening of those. If you have a community that you're going into, keep rolling with it. If you feel like you're ready to shift to a different one for whatever reason, jump into a new one. If you've never joined one, get in one. If you're like, well, I would love to host one and lead one. Either way, we're all called to commit to a few people in this church and go deeper because you can't go deep with everyone, can you? You can't. Now, I love all of you, and I've said it, and I don't want to be, uh, don't misquote me. I love all of you, but I can't know all of you. Neither should I. Because we are the body called to love one another. So those in our community group are, it's, it's, it's not playing favorites, but it's like the Lord has planted us in a community group. And that's where we're going to put a lot of our attention because our, our way of doing church is to model Jesus-like behavior. And he loved the world and he invested in three. And invested in 12. And invested in 70. And that group 120 on the day of Pentecost grew to a movement that would change the world. So we're invested in, we can't invest equally in everyone, but we're doing our part as a couple, and I'm inviting you to do your part. By the way, hello, babe. My wife's home uh, with a head cold and not spreading it with you, so saying hi. All right. Love one another deeply and score points when you have a microphone. All right. Uh, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Second thing, show hospitality. Second thing is using your gifts, which are actually God's. Because it says, as faithful stewards of whose grace? God's. They're, they're yours, but they're from above. And, and I love it, in various forms. And then he gives a couple examples. So if you're speaking, speak the very words of God. If you're serving, do it with the strength that God provides. So I'm inviting you to use your gifts. That is, whatever it is that God has put in your hand. Uh, say no to sin. Say yes to God. So two questions to kind of drive our response. And I want you to take your next step. First one, in what areas are we saying yes to sin? Well, I can't answer that for you. But in light of what we've read, we need to wrestle with it. Remember, Jesus is the great high priest. When we talk about our sinfulness and rebellion, it's not in a way like God won't be with us. No, that's why Christ came, to draw us close to the presence of God. So if you're in repetitive patterns that are unlike Jesus, join the club and repent. Turn to him and invite Jesus to be your forgiver and give you grace and mercy. Don't from, run from God in times of sinfulness, run to him. And know that you don't have to go through temptation alone. It was Jesus in the garden who said to his disciples, stay awake and pray. The enemy wants to come and sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. Man, Jesus, our great high priest, ruling the universe, is thinking of us in our times of temptation. 
And he's praying that we will stand fast in him. Run to him if you need grace. The second one is, in what areas are we holding back? And uh, it's the spirit that empowers us to do the actual work. I'll give you the challenge of every single church I know of, and it's the 80-20 rule, and you know it, those of you in business or leadership. 80% of what happens happens by about 20% of the people. And, I, and that works for business. It's just not the heart of God for church. The, the heart of God is everyone's graced, everyone's gifted, everyone's called, everyone's been provided, everyone loves, everyone serves, everyone is generous. And so I'm going to invite you in the season, especially because for so many of you, I have to say, you are an inspiration. Over the last two years, there's been so many reasons to stay away from church and God's people, and you have bucked the trend and said, I'm all in, and I'm so grateful. Some of you work tirelessly to serve God's people here. Nobody knows your name, and no one high-fives you, but you are faithful, faithful, and I want to say thank you. God knows, and some of the people in this community know what you're doing and how you're living, and Jesus is applauding you. Some of you have yet to take your space, and to step in and really, empowered by God's presence, serve other people. And I'm encouraging you as we make our physical trek back to our space, that we would go into that space all like-minded. Everyone gifted, everyone serve, everyone give. Everyone, everyone, everyone. And that doesn't mean you have to volunteer on a Sunday serve team. It could be for most of us that you see your community group that you live in as your place of service and that you love and you give yourself generously to the people who are physically around you, whatever it is, but do your part. So there's an invitation to step in. Now, boy, man, I've said a lot and, uh, and, I, and I don't know how to land the, plane, so land the plane, so let's land it this way. The last verse that we read, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. In our saying no to sin and our saying yes to God, this isn't actually about us. It's about living a worship-filled life. Jesus is the Son of God. He's seated on the throne. He's rescued us. He brought us near to God. So, so all the stuff that we're doing is just our way of saying, God, I want my life to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. This is our reasonable worship. This is like, this is the least we could do in light of the mercy of God. So if you're not yet following Jesus, do it today. So what's my next step? If you're not following Jesus, when should I start? Like right now. Like this moment could be the moment where you say, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live in my own rebellion. I'm gonna give my rebellion to a God who rescues and saves. I invite you, follow Jesus Christ today. Well, how will we know you're doing it? At the end, when we have our prayer team come up, you come up to one of our prayer team uh, friends and just say, today, I, I want to live for God. Pray for me. I want to live for Jesus. And we'd love to walk with you in that. If you're walking in sin and you know it, turn to Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness. Maybe talk with one of our prayer team. And you don't have to share the details, but you can say, pray with me. I want to live holy. I want to live for Jesus. I, I want to stand with you. Pray that God's power would be made present in my weakness. Maybe you're not yet doing your part 
Uh, that's okay for yesterday, but today, turn, turn the page and just live for him, serve, do your part. So Lord, we're inviting you to come and be all that we need you to be. Lord, we're needy people. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to live for you in ways that please you. Lord, we want to experience your resurrection, healing power in every dimension of our life, whether it's our liver, whether it's our mental health, whatever it is, God, we want your realness to be real in us, in this moment, Lord. That's why we're here. We're hungry. We want more. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. And if you believe that, I'm going to invite you to stand on your feet and let's now enter the presence of Jesus. Stand on your feet with me and let's sing songs with our heart, not just our lips, with our heart. And we're going to go to the table and we're going to take communion. We're going to give our tithes and our offerings because it's the right thing that we, we should do at honoring Jesus Christ. We're going to do these things and I invite you to do it with me. Let's worship together.